you suffer from numbness, tingling, burning, or pain in your feet and legs? It could be caused by something as simple and common as a B1 deficiency. This is Dr. Ronald Hoppen with a solution for low B1. Zobria. Zobria is a safe, effective, and clinically proven nutritional supplement containing a high-potency bioactive form of vitamin B1, which has been shown to reverse symptoms caused by low B1 with no side effects. Low B1 causes your nerve cells to stop functioning properly, resulting in numbness, tingling, burning, and pain in the feet and legs. It may also contribute to forgetfulness, loss of mental focus, fatigue, and loss of appetite. Restoring proper B1 levels has been shown to improve the functioning of these nerve cells. You can get Zobria risk-free by going to zobria.com. That's zobria.com and get 20% off with coupon code Hoffman at checkout. This offer is only available to intelligent medicine listeners. That's zobria.com. Vitamin B1 perfected. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. I hope you all had uh, a very, very happy uh, Labor Day weekend. Spend some time with friends, families, or doing something restorative on your own behalf. And I wish uh, many of our listeners a belated Happy New Year because uh, it's like 5786 or something like that. Some phenomenal <laughs> number of years. Uh, oh, yes. yes, Jewish New Happy Year's. Happy New Year, Dr. Hoffman. Thank you very much. And uh, so nice to have you with us, Layla. Uh, and we're going to tackle questions. Questions come to us via radio program at AOL.com. That's easy to remember. And we have quite a lot of questions in the mailbag because it was a holiday week last week. And we didn't do a live one. We do about 50 a year, maybe 51. But uh, sometimes the holiday weeks loom and we just don't do it. Um, right. So uh, we're, before we take uh, questions, uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the flooding and, uh, you know, all the hurricanes. And, you know, a lot of people uh, look at this and they say, well, wow, you know, uh, a lot of people died, people drowned. Uh, it's terrible. But what we really have to realize is that the death toll and the injury toll is the tip of the iceberg. Because I'm looking here at a story in uh, CNN, CNN.com, uh, which says what a hurricane means when you live in Louisiana's Cancer Alley. And there really is such a thing. There's something called the Cancer Alley. Uh, which is uh, north of Norlands and south of Baton Rouge, Norlands, and it's it's that area where they have part, probably more chemical and you know petrochemical uh, plants, petroleum distilleries, and when there are floods, uh, there's a awful lot of junk that gets into the water supply and gets into the soil and gets into yeah. the air. And, you know, same thing for the industrial parts of the Northeast, which experienced lots of flooding. You know, uh, I don't know if you uh, uh, went outside or, or drove on the highways, but uh, and you live in Queens, which actually there yes. were quite a few deaths in Queens uh, yeah. just outside of Manhattan. But uh -huh. I, I drove on the Long Island Expressway the day after this uh, flood, and there were a whole bunch of cars that were 
you know, evidently uh, cars that had been submerged, cars that were banged up because, you know, they got sloshed yeah. around and, you know, cars couldn't avoid them. And um, th so there's just this massive amount of flooding. And mm -hmm. when I think of flooding, I think of, I think of chemicals and I think of mold. And I think that that's a particularly oh, yeah. bad situation from the standpoint of disease. Yeah, that's a problem. You know, we we got mildly flooded here in Queens. Oh. I say mild because it, it, we got some flood in, in half the basement where my my very handy husband keeps a wet, dry vacuum cleaner. So that took about an hour to clean up, oh, wow. and that was about it. So your your basement we, got somewhat breached by this. Somewhat breached, And yes, that's never happened absolutely. before. That's unprecedented, right? Oh, it is unprecedented. This hasn't happened before. Wow. And so did the houses on my block. And you could tell by all the trash that was taken out. People threw out their sofas. Yes. You know, people. Because they had like rec rooms. The they had rec these rooms. Houses. Yeah. Yeah. Who have basement apartments in these yeah. old houses. Yeah. And you could tell by all the carpeting that went out, the tile, the floor tile that went out, the furniture that went out, all on my block. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so any moisture uh, affecting furniture or flooring or walls, drywall, uh, yeah. is likely to spawn a tremendous amount of mold development. And that, that can be a threat to health years after the uh, incident. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think the parallel is a little like the World Trade Center. You know, 3,000 people died in the World Trade Center, you know, immediately. But there yeah. have been tens of thousands of people who have been affected by it. And mm -hmm. uh, actually, we saw even, even today in the office, we saw two patients who were uh, eligible for compensation because they uh, worked near the World Trade Center and developed some you know, pretty significant maladies. Yes. Now, whether the maladies mm -hmm. are linked, you can't prove conclusively, but uh, toxicity is a major source of disease and not just respiratory disease, but autoimmune disease uh, and mm -hmm. also uh, uh, various forms of cancer, uh, diabetes yeah. even, you know, so, you know, serious stuff. Yeah. So that is something to watch for in the coming weeks, months, years, all of that. So, uh, and it's good. It's a good idea to get air quality testing done from time to time. Uh, Very important. And you know, we were looking at ways of how do we prevent this from happening further. And we looked in a particular corner of the garage where there was a slight more lean, a kind of an incline down. And my husband was saying I could build a concrete berm mm. in that corner so it doesn't go further than the garage. So that's one of the projects on our list. Mm -hmm. One of the many, 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 many projects on our list. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, certainly we need to consider uh, abatement, you know, methods. You know, yeah. I think that the country that really leads the world in this is uh, Holland. Because in the Netherlands, they've experienced floods since time immemorial. They've reclaimed a lot of land with the canals and the dikes. And they, they've lived with this. And uh, they have some, some of the best uh, experts on uh, abatement of coastal water problems and flooding. Uh, so, mm. you know, starting with the little kid who put his finger in the dike, you know, <laughs> in the yeah. traditional story. <laughs> right. But there are better methods better than that. Those experts in here. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so heads up to that. I mean, that I think is it's a major health concern uh, going forward. Okay, um, let's take some questions. We got quite a few in the mailbag, so uh, fire away. Let's see. We've got an email from Carol. 
Carol says, long-time listener, always get good information from the podcasts, much appreciated. The usual flu vaccine is available now. With the specter of boosters upcoming for the COVID vaccine, is there a danger of having too much vaccine in our, in our systems? What would Dr. Hoffman suggest we do this year? Well, Drum roll, please. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, what, what's interesting uh, is that, um, you know, as I, as I look it up, they're, they're making a pitch for people to get the flu shot. Uh, NPR headlines, it's time for a flu shot. Here's what you need to know. Uh, today, uh, writes flu shot 2021, 2022. What to know about this year's flu season? My answer is what flu season? Uh, <laughs> I don't think a lot of people are coming down with the flu, which is mm. suggests to me that the measures we're taking, uh, the social distancing and the masking, whatever we're doing, you know, we're, I mean, even, even if we're not into vaccination and not into, um, uh, masking, uh, we're, I think at, at almost every single person in the United States is still more careful about close upfront and personal contact yes. uh, to some degree or another. Some people to the point of becoming a recluse. And as a result, it's put a big speed bump in the progression of the flu. It happened last year. There wasn't much flu and it's yeah. too early to tell, but the flu trends are, are very, very benign. Uh, the, I'm looking at number of positive specimens from September 27th to August uh, 2020 to August 28, 2021. And huh. um, the, the number is exceedingly low. Exceedingly wow. low. Uh, in the, in the hundreds. Our, yeah. I think one of our biggest flu years was recent, like 2017. Yeah. So COVID, 2017. 2018, I believe it was that winter. I mean, an alternative theory is that, that COVID is so, I mean, it's sort of outcompeted the flu, you know, in terms yeah. of like, uh, it's kind of like uh, natural selection is that, you know, flu, you got nothing on me. I mean, I can, <laughs> I am su I'm a <laughs> superior uh, evolutionary product. And so, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's unclear what's happening. So, as to the question of can you overload your immune system uh, with too much vaccine, that's a hypothetical that uh, goes towards concerns about how many vaccinations we're exposing our kids to relative to previous eras. You know, we just keep adding vaccinations. And is it yeah. possible that in some susceptible individuals that we're doing something to heighten the risk of autoimmunity? Uh, or other mm. other conditions, and that's a hypothetical <laughs> because. Uh, but there are signs that, um, to the extent that use a vaccine, vaccines often have adjuvants in them. The, the uh, COVID vaccine doesn't have an adjuvant in it. It's powerful enough on its own. But some things have things to boost the immune response, and so by boosting the immune response, you can hence also boost the autoimmune response. So, uh, my suggestion would be to kind of keep track of the flu. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. if it really takes off, you can take the flu shot. Or if you have a condition where you're very susceptible, you know, maybe you have very poorly controlled diabetes or if you have a very severe lung disorder, you're very old and frail, uh, perhaps 
you know, the flu might be the coup de grace for you and, you know, dispatch you. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. But, you know, I would I would just keep it sort of keeping an eye on the on the weather forecast. You know, let's see where the flu is going this year. Uh, it might be unnecessary to uh, have a, a, you know, that look, this is the same old thing they trot out every year is, you know, take your flu shot, take your flu shot. But they don't adjust to circumstances. So I yes. think we should be, we take sort of a um, situational awareness approach to this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I suppose uh, adjuvants, there's also a matter of preservatives in, max, uh, in right. vaccines. Some, sometimes like aluminum, uh, not so much mercury anymore, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe more aluminum lately. That Formaldehyde, could be. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think people also react to the albumin, which is from egg white. It's interesting that we normally, when we see somebody has an egg allergy or an egg white allergy in particular, and we ask, do you get a flu shot? Have you been vaccinated recently? It could be why that test is coming back positive, mm-hmm. even though they're not really yes. having an overt reaction to eating eggs. Because it's a direct of exposure of the immune system to egg, in effect, egg white. But, you know, the, the yeah. COVID vaccines don't have that as a problem because no. they are not uh, incubated on eggs. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, mm-hmm. so older vaccines are. But anyway, so right. I would say... You know, keep an eye out for the flu and, you know, see where it's headed. I, I don't think people should. I mean, people have enough to worry about, about getting boosters. And, yes. you know, there's been a recent brouhaha between uh, the White House and the FDA. You know, the FDA is probably going to approve boosters, but they want, they feel that their prerogative has been taken away from them by pressure from the White House uh, to speed up the boosters. So it really is not... Uh, the White House's business to make health decrees uh, in ordinary circumstances, the FDA gets a say about approval. Now, there can yes. be pressure from the White House, like, hurry up, hurry up. Okay, fine, you know, good. But to actually make a pronouncement that we're going to, everybody should get a booster after six months or eight months, it's the FDA's prerogative to do that. Now, the FDA is not going to say, no, no, the White House, you're wrong. They're going to they're gonna sign on to boosters, they just they just had two top level officials in the uh, uh, vaccine approval um, bureaucracy of the FDA uh, resign mm-hmm. in kind of a huff because they felt like you know don't pressure us we have a process yeah. we want to make sure it's safe and effective and we yes. probably will approve it but don't don't pull the rug out from under us and announce that everybody should get boosters because it's our job to announce whether people should get boosters right right. Got to leave it up to the scientists. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, who, yeah. who get it wrong a lot, you know, like how many times has the FDA, has the FDA been wrong? Uh, but, you know, they're at least, sure. uh, you know, it's a, it's a more scientifically oriented process. It's also a mm-hmm. process that's very susceptible to pressure from industry too, because uh, the FDA, to, to get a drug approved, you have to make an application to the FDA. You have to pay for the application and affect the uh, FDA is funded to some extent, to a large extent, mm-hmm. by the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, you know, it's sort of like the fox watching the hen house. Right. Right. And so many uh, so many on the board of the FDA, I think as much as 50%, are former pharmaceutical. Right. And vice versa. And vice versa. Reason. I mean, you, get, you make and less money versa. working for the government. So the, the good, a good idea is to work for the government when you're young and develop a lot of relationships. 
and then, you know, retire with a pension at, you know, a young age, and then go work as a consultant or an employee of a pharmaceutical company. And then you can say, I, look, I know the people at FDA. I know the approval process. This is what you have to do. Here's where the bodies are buried. Here's, you know, this person can expedite your approval. That's how you get a big salary working for private industry, you know, you know by a, a factor of five or ten of what you got as Absolutely. a government employee. I mean, you still have the yeah. government benefits you know, because, you know, you, they have good pension plans. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So... Uh, so is there a danger of actually having too much vaccine in our systems? I can't imagine. What would, what would that look like? I think it would look like, somebody uh, somebody with, a, with, a, with some sort of autoimmune kind of problem. You know, yeah. like, uh, it, it would look like a, a bad COVID reaction. You know, like somebody who's, huh. uh, achy and fatigued and, um, you know, may have uh, inflammation. And may have a positive ANA. We're seeing that in some of our patients. We just saw that in one patient today. Is the patient all of a sudden yes. has a positive ANA? Well, that patient hasn't had a positive ANA in a while, but then they took the vaccine, they got a positive ANA. And we've seen that in several and a patients. Reminder, and a reminder to everybody when you get any kind of vaccination, COVID, flu, shingles, whatever it is you're getting, you've got to wait three months before you have a blood test mm -hmm. for ANA. Yeah. Or, or, it can be or other positive. things. Yeah, it can also change your, your CBC, your white count, and so on. So, yeah. Um, you, I mean, yeah. Hypoth hypothetically, you can. but um, And that's why I'm not that happy that, for convenience sake, they're, they're making like trivalent vaccines and quadrivalent vaccines, uh, you know, for multiple diseases that you give to kids. And sometimes kids do fine with it. And sometimes kids with sensitive immune systems really have a bad time of it. And they can have uh, speech and language, uh, you know, regression. Uh, they can be pretty miserable. Uh, so, yeah. uh, and, you know, even, you know, very weird neurological symptoms. So, you know. Mm -hmm. um, that's true. So, so that's, oh, look, I mean, we're, we're verging true. on the vaccine debate right here. And there's a lot to be said. Yes. So mm -hmm. let's not go down that rabbit hole with this. Right. Right, and, and speaking of uh, avoiding a rabbit hole, now may be a good time oh. for a word from one of our sponsors. Thank you very much for that uh, appropriate segue. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> let's hear it. This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Propax with NT Factor, a complete vitamin and mineral formula. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause whether it be age, illness, or just being run down. NT-Factor repairs damaged cells, restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT-Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT-Factor for years, and now the 45-day money-back guarantee you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158. That's 800 or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to our questions. What's next, Layla? This comes from Marianne, and she's asking, is strontium something that is only taken for a few years, like a bisphosphonate like Fosamax? 
Okay. Well, strontium is a, is a really good bone builder, and we see many yes. reversals of osteoporosis, many improvements in uh, DEXA bone density scores. The T-score improves and uh, often goes from osteoporosis to osteopenia to near normal, uh, which is the point at which I tell people to take a, a strontium vacation. Uh, now, I've mm. been doing this long enough to notice that sometimes uh, people take strontium for a couple of years, they see an improvement, and then they stop, and then they regress. They don't regress completely, but they start going downhill again, which is to be expected because as you age, you lose bone. So um, I, I don't think that there is a definitive answer to this, but I would suspect that if you took strontium for, you know, 6, 8, 10, 12 years, that you would see such a improvement you know, such a uh, augmentation of bone density that, you know, it would go past normal, you know, unnecessarily yeah. uh, dense. So I think uh, it should be taken to the, to the point where you uh, regress your osteoporosis, uh, improve, get to mild osteopenia, and then Yes. You know, continue all the other measures to prevent bone loss and then retest and, and then maybe, and I've done this a few times, uh, put people back on the strontium for a couple of years. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Marianne asks another very interesting question. She says, is there a reason we never hear of DEXA scans being encouraged for men? Well, My husband and I take the same supplements and have a similar diet and lifestyle. Wouldn't he also be at risk? Well, yes. Uh, in fact, um, you know, I just uh, reviewed a DEXA scan for a guy. I think a guy's about yeah. 70. And, um, you know, I said, have you ever had a DEXA scan? Because I, like uh, I like to do DEXA scans on men when they're 65 or 70. It, that's generally the rule of thumb. I mean, that is the official mm -hmm. recommendation. Uh, women at mm -hmm. 50, men at uh, 65 or 70. Or if there are high risk factors, you know, if they've been on steroids or if they, you know, have very low vitamin D or, you know, they, uh, yeah. been very sedentary or, you know, certain, certain risk or factors. Or vegan most of their lives. Vegan, yeah. yes, that's good. Yeah. Um, so, so we did this on this guy and, you know, the guy's, the guy just sent it to me. He says, well, I'm going away for three months. Well, what do I do? <laughs> so it's like, it's like, and I said, you know, this is not an emergency, but, you know, you do have significant bone loss. So I gave him some supplements. Oh, he actually said, here's my pharmacy number. Call in a medication. And I said, you know, I, I'm I'm thinking that you might get away without a medication, but we can discuss it when you get back. Uh, here are the supplements to take. And I put him on strontium. I put him on vitamin K. I put him on uh, olive leaf extract, which I think has some bona fides in terms of bones. Yes. And uh, mm -hmm. D, K, you know, the, the routine, iproflavone, calcium, and so on. With yep. magnesium, yep, mm -hmm. and um, and that's the and Ostera, O S T E R A, is yes. something we also use a hops derived uh, bone enhancer, and so uh, it does occur in men. And it, it, I think uh, too often doctors ignore the possibility that men have low bone density, but they they get it later. Oh, here's another later. instance: is when men have very low testosterone, they can have ah. uh, loss of bone. Right. Because testosterone helps to retain lean body mass yep. for men. And for women, it's more estrogen. But yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And I want to remind Marianne, uh, I, I didn't read her entire email. She goes into some of the numbers of her bone mineral density, which shows osteopenia, not osteoporosis. 
that you you recommend strontium for full-blown osteoporosis, not osteopenia. I just want to make that clear. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, or, you know, there is such a thing as severe osteo, um, osteopenia, you know, where yeah. it's like right on the borderline. Like maybe I might pull the trigger on that. Yeah. But it also, yeah. it also depends on the person's age because mm-hmm. let's say um, – you know, 40-year-old woman has severe osteopenia. Well, chances are she's going to live another 30, 40 years, so we better get on it. If a, yeah. you know, if a 90-year-old a has like a minus 2.4, which is on on the cusp of osteoporosis, that's actually better that's than normal. That's actually pretty great. That's actually better, you know, pretty normal for for a yeah. person that age. I mean, it, it does yes. increase the risk for fractures, but it doesn't demand uh, aggressive action in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, a lot of doctors uh, are very, you know, pull. They want to pull the trigger on medications at the slightest instigation. If there's a little bit of osteopenia, right away, you know, medications, injectables, infusions, you know, no, it's overkill. It's overkill, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, Marianne, thank you for that very thoughtful question. Lila, I think Let's we see. want to uh, uh, pause this, and uh, you know, we'll go into part two. Uh, so, oh, wow. um, if you can, um, just give me a preview of what we're going to talk about in part two. Yeah. Uh, Sue writes a while ago, you had a program with the CEO of clear nasal spray and you discussed the product being effective against COVID and that they were seeking FDA approval. Was it approved? Is it effective? I'll give you COVID? an update in part two. I will do that. All right. Well, Thanks for listening to part one. Stay with us for part two. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman today with Layla Mutin because it's our weekly Q&A with Layla. And we'll be right back with today's Intelligent Medicine podcast.